right. So joining us on the Live Motocross podcast this week, as you can probably see, Roger, I've dragged out of retirement and is in his pajamas, I think. Uh, no, no, no. I, I'll put my best effort on have my hair done, everything, especially. <laughs> um, so like I say, we've got Roger joining us this week. And also um, we've got British Championship rider Dan Thornhill. How you doing? Thornhill. Thanks for having me on. It's nice to, nice to be here and doing something a bit different. That's it, especially after the tech issues we've had trying to get this podcast going this morning. Yeah, then, I wouldn't like to tell everyone how good I am with the computer. Yeah, I can't <laughs> understand people who can't do technology. I've got just can't understand that. <laughs> so, Sophie's already had to talk me through this several times, Dan. Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish I had like uh, two hours to prepare, really, because I needed to go to the shop, buy a new computer, some new headphones, start from the beginning. <laughs> There we go. So um, I don't know if you've listened to any of the podcasts before, Dan, but what we really like to do on the Live uh, podcast is sort of delve into the backstories of riders. Um, so tell us a little bit about how you started riding as a kid, because obviously your brother rides too. Yeah, sure. Too. Um, basically, I started out, you know, like most people did. I think majority of people growing up started when they were when they were young. I had a little PW50. Um, my dad used to race uh, local AMC events. So back mm-hmm. when back when he was racing, they used to do um, track build days. So on Saturday, they would go and build the track and then obviously race on Sunday. So on the Saturday, I'd, I'd be riding, racing around the pits on me, on my little PW50. And that's what I used to do for, for the first couple of years. And then um, he decided that, you know, he would put a bit of time into me. And then that's when it all started, really. So he gave up and mm-hmm. I went and did a bit of racing. <laughs> so it seems to be like the normal switch doesn't it Roger obviously as soon as the the kids get to a point they then get swapped in dad stops racing and then it carries on yeah it, carries- it does uh yeah dad normally gets to a point thinking yeah I'm, I'm not getting any better now so let's try and relive it through my sons and uh that's the way it goes um yeah my sons did my my eldest son went into trials and my younger son played football so that's that's the route we went but mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, it's the route to go, Dan. And obviously, now, was that a positive experience? Because we've all heard of um, schoolboy dads, but was your dad supportive or was he hard on you? How did that, how did that go? Well, I mean, I think, I think most, most dads that want, want their children to do well are, are quite firm on them. I would, say, mm. I would say he wasn't hard on me. I think he was quite firm on me. You know, like, obviously, it costs a lot of money, doesn't it, to, to do this sport? And it takes up a lot of time for not just not just my dad but my mom and the family as a whole you know I have a younger brother that didn't start racing until he was a little bit older so he used to have to come along too but mm-hmm. um yeah I mean I think I think without that that force from behind like from your parents I don't think you know as much as a kid wants to go and do good I think they also have to be motivated from their parents to keep pushing them to excel I think so did he teach, teach you to improve or how did you how did you work your way up to the level you're at now? Have you had coaching or self um, Tell us the route, basically, that you went from starting on a peewee to getting where you are now. Yeah, so obviously, like, over the years, you know, I've been with several different people and, and, and you know, gone to different coaches and, and done different things. But majority of, of my years growing up has been just, you know, me and my dad travelling around the country. We always – my dad was always take, would always take me to – to you know where the better, better riders were um i was quite lucky at a young age like the area we live in in gloucester we had quite a few quite a few quick lads so we always grew up in quite a fast 
um, center. So, you know, that was always really good. So we're always pushing ourselves. Um, but yeah, Are like you part I say, of the GL12 crew, then you're not part of them. I'm GL10, but I'm close enough to that. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, so you know, we've done it a lot from from ourselves. Like we don't really come from a, a massive uh financial background. So we, you know, we've done it on a on a shoestring for many of years. Um and you know, obviously I can't appreciate enough my parents what they've done for me. And yeah, we basically just we would always go and race with the faster guys, we would always try and watch and learn and you know it's obviously been hard but it's been nice to do it ourselves and obviously like I said I've I've been to different coaches and done with things with different people but you know mainly I still always fall back on me and my dad doing it together really so your dad's still heavily involved in yeah yeah my dad I I'm to be honest I you know obviously as I've grown older sometimes he becomes too much and you know we're always on each other's on each other's backs but like you know when we went to Italy last week you know I, I I asked him to come with me because you know we he knows me he knows how I'm feeling by just looking at me in the face and sometimes I think you need that as a rider when you're doing when you're making those steps you know probably leaping ahead a little bit but uh, one of the big influences and someone who's backed you for a long time I know is someone who's very local to me is Lee Weber of uh, Cab Screens yeah for sure I've been with Lee now for six years um and and again Lee is Lee's been been someone a bit like a dad figure um when I didn't really have a great deal uh, a great deal going on back in the end of 2014 um you know he stepped in and and sort of helped me with a bike and stuff and then we've built that family relationship over the years um and obviously you know with his support and He's he's actually taken me through my my pro sort of stage from where it started really. Well, unusually as well, he stuck through, stuck with you through the bad times as well. During yeah, his, I was. I was, with you, I was obviously something that I needed to, to mention really as well. Yeah, like you know, I he he took me on when again, like I said, we didn't really have a great deal going on, um, and and then obviously for most teams and and the situations arise, you know, like whence once riders are getting the results, obviously things are very positive. Um, but when they're not getting results and they're not putting the bikes on the field as a team, obviously they need to please sponsors and, and gain results. And obviously, unfortunately for me, I had two years of, of quite unfortunate really. And, and he stuck by me through thick and thin. And obviously it's been nice this year to start building back to where I believe I can be. And, and obviously for the both of us, really, Oh, for everybody in, in my team around me to show that actually these guys stuck by me because this is what I can and can't do. Well, he's seen something in you because he's definitely always spoken positively when you weren't racing. He's still, he still had belief in you. That, that must yeah. be. Yeah. No, it means the world really. And like, you know, he, people of, I'm sure people have probably asked him why he continues to back me and continues to support me. Um, and, and to be fair, I ask myself sometimes as well, like, you know, why do people stand by you and keep sticking with you? But actually, I think, you know, he's he's been very loyal. He's been supportive, not just him, but also his wife. And, you know, he's got kids, he's got a family and he's, he's treated me like a son for many years. And, and like I said, sometimes it's nice to be able to show people or put, prove to people why, you know, why you stuck by me, I suppose. Has it helped you as well riding with Harry? 
because obviously Harry's, you know, um, with all due respect, he's he's been there, done it GP level. Um, he's right at the top. Has that helped you as well? Yeah, well, I mean, more so this year, I would have said, because obviously last year I was I had pretty much a full season out of injury. So last year was Harry's first season with cab screens. Um, and obviously I, I did attend a lot of the races because obviously I felt like I I had I, I personally I wanted to be there to to keep promoting Lee, although I wasn't racing um, because of, like we said, what he's done for me over the years. Um, but obviously, you, you know, you speak to Harry. I speak to Harry quite a lot. And, and obviously, you know, I, I st- supported him whilst, you know, as like rooted for him or whatever, because he was riding for Lee. Um, but this year with the COVID and stuff, it's been a little bit different. So he's had to stay in England a little bit more. Um, you know, one weekend we did some riding together. He came back and stayed at our place. Um, and, and generally just, you know, when you see a rider at the race and stuff, everybody's so focused on their job. Um, but when you're outside mm-hmm. of riding, we've done some training together on, you know, on the bike and stuff. And he's been really helpful, actually. And, and it's also nice to ask questions how, you know, when, when you run into um, struggles, I suppose, or run into situations where you don't really know what avenue to take, he's been there and done that, you know, so he can give you some guidance from another rider's point of view, which is nice. Obviously, you're... Oh, that's great to have on the team, definitely. Yeah. Um, big news from the team this week as well. Yeah, big news last night. Yeah, the, the team are changing <laughs> to uh, to blue. So that's cool. That's another that's another step. And um, obviously, I think a great door for, for Lee, the whole team really, and and obviously us as riders. Mm-hmm. How do you so feel you... about um, the making the changeover? Yeah, I'm excited for it, actually. Obviously, I've not not really... I rode a Yamaha when I first... Lee, we're going, sort of going back around in a circle, really. So when I first started with Lee, my first year was on a Yamaha 450. Um, so sort of done a whole loop back around to the Yamahas again. And this time is good because I think, obviously, Lee has, Lee has more support from, from the manufacturer. And obviously, Yamaha are a good brand. Uh, you know, the, the whole Crescent circle is, is very... You know, very professional, and 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 they have, you know, have got a lot going for them. So I think, with Lee Crescent and Yamaha all together, I think that's, you know, I think that's going to be a great a great season for all of us, really. Yeah, because Paul Denning from Crescent is, uh, I mean, he's he's got credibility, obviously through Superbikes, uh, through running a team and running an organisation, but he also is a very big off road and motocross fan himself. So I'm sure he's going to bring something extra to the team as well. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've I've not yet to to meet Paul, but obviously from what I hear, um, you know, obviously what people say, and and obviously looking in from the outside with social media, and obviously the the foundation he has down there, it you know, it looks like he's a very knowledgeable guy, and hopefully, you know, being surrounded by those people as well will also help me and help us as riders, you know, go in the right direction and maybe learn and and help achieve more things. So moving forward, obviously we've had. Um... Well, I say a bit of a rubbish year. It's the whole British has pretty much gone to pot, really. Um, how are you going to implement sort of what training you've been doing this year moving forward into next year? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's been a it's been a funny old year because obviously, as a rider, you you know you start, I suppose, now this time of year to to do your off season training. Then you start riding the bike early mm-hmm. year, and obviously, the years have started quite early, haven't they? With Hawkstone being in like February, so mm-hmm. you know you think. I raced Hawkstone in February and, and, you know, I finished my last race last weekend, just gone. So, um, you know, it's been a long year and obviously we had like 
a couple of months of doing nothing, but you still, as a rider, feel like you need to train because you don't, you know, you, if you're not training and you're not putting the work in, you feel like you're cheating yourself. But also you have, mm-hmm. you know, over the time we've had to, I suppose, be realistic and also give the body enough rest as well. You know, and obviously mm-hmm. with, you know, with with the way things have gone and, and you know, finance, et cetera, you know, I've gone and done a bit of work this year and, and juggling everything has been quite awkward because you never know, you, you didn't know when the racing was going to start back up. So you wanted to be firing on all cylinders, but you also didn't want to be burnt out by the time the racing did start back up either. So yeah, it's, but, been a, it's been a, um, it's been a rough, it's been a rough sort of time, but I think, yeah, I'm going to have a couple of weeks off now after obviously Italy and, and then yeah, start the off season training and get ready for another good year. Have you seen that they've released? How the 20... did you feel? Yeah, I, I see that. That was, I just read that this morning actually. And, um, no British I'm, GP. How do you feel about that? Yeah, that sucks a little bit, doesn't it, really? Because, you know, it's a big thing for British motocross. You know, like a lot of, there's a lot of fans and stuff that, that enjoy going to experience that. And obviously it's one thing watching and following the GPs on, on TV, which I think most people do, but actually being there and having that excitement and obviously having everybody come to England is, is, good, for, is good for everybody. And I think maybe, I've already seen actually a couple of, a couple of comments on some of the, the, you know, the posts to say, oh, no GP again, and this sucks, that sucks. But I can imagine it's difficult for everybody involved, but obviously it would be nice to have something in England and maybe to be even be able to, to race at a British GP again. To, to be honest, you wouldn't want to have been in front this year, would you? No, most definitely not. I mean, you know, I don't, obviously I haven't been surrounded in the GP paddock for, you know, very much. We sort of jump in and jump out, but obviously after going to Italy and experiencing that week, there's a lot of involvement and a lot that goes into just even getting the event to run, let alone the racing happening, you know, like everybody sits at home and watches it and says, oh, this should be different. That should be different. And and everybody has their own opinion. But when you're there and you're experiencing it, you know, live, you, you, you do see exactly what's going in and what's happening and what people are actually teams and riders and personnel are actually having to do to even get themselves to that race, let alone even lining up, you know? How was your journey, by the way? Because I know a lot of people struggled to get back. Yeah, I think we were quite lucky. Obviously, we drove. Um, we did the... My last race was on Saturday. So we literally loaded up and, and, and got on the road because I know I, I know I spoke to a few English people there that their flights were cancelled and, and things like that. So the borders were getting a little bit more strict. So we had all our paperwork and stuff, which was good. And, and once we got through the borders, Germany was the the hardest one to get through but once we got through that and we got we got back home it was it was all good so we were quite lucky I think so just jumping back onto um the Italy GP obviously two whole shots over the weekend how did that feel for you lining up on that gate because it must be pretty daunting like I would crap my pants like literally sat there on that gate yeah I mean like it's it's like it was a big a lot of planning to go in to do it and obviously again I I can't thank everybody that has that has put in to support me to do that. Like obviously, Leah Cab Screens. I have a big personal sponsor that's that's actually stuck by me for the last few years of um, nationwide signs. Um, and yeah, also for this trip, um, I had some. Obviously, I'm a I'm a self-employed electrician and and I do some work locally for some builders and stuff. So uh, I had a couple of friends that actually all chipped together and put put money in to to help me get there and stuff so that was really cool as well and obviously I can't thank that enough but 
you you know all that's really cool and there's a lot of preparation to get there but also once you get there that's a little bit of pressure as well you know a lot of those guys are like oh we'll follow mm. you do well kick ass and stuff and you get there and you think about all that and and actually going from like british motocross to riding that the, the gp scene you know just the whole infrastructure and and the atmosphere is is different so mm. i think i did the worst thing to be honest i whole shot the first race and of the week and I and I went around the second turn I was like shit what do I do now <laughs> you know I know we I was, were we were actually watching little... it in the office as well and we we saw you go we were like oh god he's gone he's gone <laughs> that's it yeah. <laughs> yeah so so yeah I mean obviously a whole shot's great and obviously I got quite a lot of exposure for that which was really cool and obviously yeah. I I didn't realize but I have quite a big following back home like people were supporting me and it was really nice but yeah I mean Maybe I should have settled into the first race and then whole shot some more, but you know you can't. I can't turn down a whole shot, and the, the the opportunity arose, and I took advantage of it. So that was cool. How does the European races compare with the British in standard by speed and standard? Yeah, I mean this is only a, this is quite a popular topic for us actually since we've been back. Um, you know, obviously when you go out to race the Europeans you know you think well it's not a gp so the race is probably not going to be as as intense but actually you know i think in england we have a big we have a big foundation of riders i think we do actually have quite a country where the racing is is strong and we do have a good depth of rider um and obviously you know going from a youth career up into the pros the biggest transition for me was the intensity for for 30 minutes um and obviously i got used to that but then when i went to italy the the emx class was actually i actually was a little bit shocked how intense the racing was for the whole duration of the race um you know one of the races i had a little slip off and i was 15th i think and i actually it was no different to me being in fifth place or sixth place you know i, I actually the intensity of that field and the depth of racing was was very hot and that was actually quite a, quite a shock to me but is that uh, is that intensity going to help when you come back to doing the british rounds yeah for sure for sure you mean i mean like uh, one thing i found with the with racing the europeans over the british championship was you know in in the british championship it's very intense for for the first part of the race and then the race sort of settles down but in in the europeans i think you know you have different nationalities and different people with different mindsets and attitudes and i think at european level and gp level there is no settling down you know that is literally 30 minutes of of high intensity you know i watched um i watched the the mx2 race for example uh, the day after one of my races and ben watson was second chasing gertz and they were literally putting in qualifying laps for 30 minutes you know and, and obviously you sit at home and watch on tv and you don't realize how intense those guys are actually pushing for that long period of time well that that was always the um that was always the remark when uh people like sean um were doing the British is obviously they're coming off a GP level speed and intensity and riding against the guys like Jake who weren't doing that. And they, Jake and everyone's felt that they were losing out a little bit because they're not riding at that pace or level all the time. There is a difference. Yeah, for sure. And I, and I can obviously up until now, I probably wouldn't have been able to, to agree, but obviously the doing it and being in that situation and experiencing it is, you know, I can, I can hundred percent understand where they're coming from, you know, like, like I say, I don't think it's about speed. I think in England, we have a lot of fast riders, but it's the whole, it's doing the whole package. You know, like those GP guys race week in, week out. 
you know, they do time training, two rotos every week, and they're pushing to their maximum every time they sit on that bike for the whole lap one to lap, the last lap of the race, you know? And and mm-hmm. it's quite easy to sit at home and watch people and say, oh, well, he's fading, he's not fit enough, or what's that guy doing that line for? But actually, when you're there, there's so much to take in. I think it's... um. I think that's what makes the the GP rider a little bit more excel a little bit more back home than than people that just race British every week. Was it quite refreshing to ride against different riders as well? Yeah, it was nice. Um, obviously, like you go there and you don't obviously you know the riders because social media is quite big nowadays, isn't it? So you 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 sort of know who you're competing against. But actually, in England, you you get to learn the riders. Um, you know who's strong and who's gonna who. I don't know. Maybe some people are strong for the race. Some people are quick at the start. They fade at the end. You know, like you learn your competitor, don't you? But when you when I went to Italy, obviously I didn't really know a lot of the guys I was racing against. And and you know you're in a battle with somebody and you don't actually know what their pos- what what their weaknesses are, or if they, even if they have weaknesses. So you're literally just racing against the unknown, which I really enjoy. That it's like a it's like a, a new lease of life and it, you know, it's nice to mix it up now and again. So what's the plans for 2020? Do you plan to do some more? Uh, I would like to. Yeah. I mean, obviously now I've done one, it's like dipping your foot in, isn't it? You've done one now and you think, Oh man, I would, lo- I would love to do more of these. Um, obviously as everybody talks at the moment, finance is the biggest thing with everything um, with, with motocross. But I mean, my, my main priority is obviously, the, the domestic stuff, the British Championship, um, and and obviously if if I can, I know you know speak to some guys and and, and make it possible to do some more Europeans, then yeah, one hundred percent I will be thinking about going to do more. Well, I think it's definitely a proven series because I mean we've seen with the two fifties, the guys who come out of the EMX two fifty straight away are in the top ten of MX two, so it's it's a route forward for sure. Yeah, one hundred percent, and and also I think. Um, I thought about, you know, the grassroots of motocross when I came back from Italy, obviously we had 17 hours in a van. So you start thinking about everything that you've done and what's gone on, but, you know, just, just for, I, I could never understand why, you know, we have a lot of talent in England and there's only three or four Brits in each class at the GP, you know? And, and then when you see some of the guys go and have a go at qualifying for a European or whatever, I don't think they struggle, but they don't, you know, they're not as maybe strong as some of the other federations in different countries. And, and like, you know, I would, now I've done one, a European, I would, I would like, I would push anybody to a young age to go and have a, have a pop at some European one, two fives or two fifties, because once you've done one or two, it, you then learn the situation, you know, you learn the whole setup. And I think it, I think a lot of English riders need to try and do a bit more of that to to get that feeling and then become a European stage rider, if you understand what I mean. Okay, so mo- yeah. moving on, we've touched <laughs> on um, British Championship. Well, twenty one mm-hmm. is going to be a new era for the British Championship. How do you feel about that? New promoter, new everything, pretty much. I mean, obviously we haven't heard details yet, but uh, I'm sure knowing Gareth and the RHM organisation, it's going to be it's going to be done properly. How do you feel about it? Are you excited? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm 100 percent excited. Obviously, um, you know, it, I think it's been it's been a tough tough year, you know, just with the whole COVID thing and, and all the hassle and stuff. It's it's hard for any organizer or anybody trying to trying to plan something because they make a plan, it changes. They make another plan, they get penalised for it. You know, they 
there's a lot of social media hassle and stuff but yeah i mean again i just love riding my bike and i love i i enjoy racing in the british championship and and all the stuff in england so you know hopefully the the, the covid scenario gets better and and gareth and his team can you know put on a great great job and you know bring the british motocross back to like it was this is it i know mm-hmm. obviously Sorry. it's yeah, yeah. So you, that's obviously uh, that's in your realm now because you're going to be heavily involved, <laughs> don't you? I know. You've got to see my face plastered everywhere across every frigging RHL thing that's going to be going on soon. I think Gareth's trying to pimp me out out of one of the, the podcast studios around the back. But um, yeah, going forward, lots of exciting stuff's going to be happening. Um, we're looking at doing, in fact, the calendar actually went out today um, for provisional dates. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> So we're looking at doing like a bit of a three-day um, fun event. I don't want to tell you too much more because obviously I'm not allowed. But um, yeah, there'll be more stuff getting released. Um, we're working closely with MX Nationals as well to make sure that that can all be fitted in together and there's no sort of clashes, especially now we've got the GP calendar. So there'll probably be a bit more of a shuffle around, but I'm excited. I think it's about time the British had a bit of a shake-up and a bit of a, a freshen up, as it were. Yeah, it's it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I think you know everybody try everybody puts one hundred and ten percent in, and they're trying to do the best job they can to make British motocross the best it can. But there's mm-hmm. so many organisations um, trying to run events and championships and stuff, and and actually, uh, you know, I think as the years are going by now, people are starting to realise that we need to knuckle down together and, and and make this work. And I think there are several guys that actually do want the best for British motocross, which are really working hard. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think, like you've already said, if, if Gareth is speaking to, you know, the guys at the MX Nationals as well, then, you know, we're going to have two domestic series that are going to be really stacked with talent and and bring more exciting stuff back to, the British motocross scene. Mm. And what, what we've been trying to do as well is um, bring in some outside sources that obviously, because once you're in the world of motocross, everybody knows everyone in motocross. So I think the main goal for us as well would to be bring bringing other people in, for example, families that want to go out for a weekend, that sort of stuff. So I think we're trying to make it a bit more accessible, motocross more accessible to all people. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I do understand that it's difficult for that side of things because mm. I don't know, for example, if you go to road racing, everything's very clean and tidy, isn't it? There's no mud involved mm-hmm. and whatever. And and I do think a lot of uh, maybe financial backers or even people that are interested in coming to watch, you know, a nice summer's day is great for everybody. But, you know, when you're, I don't know, when you're at a race and it's knee deep in mud and it's freezing cold, some people don't always want that, but that is, that is motocross. And, and that's what, you know, that is the exciting part of it. So I can imagine mm. it's very difficult to gain an audience for organizers and, and try and, and try and keep everybody engaged and happy. Problem is mm. there's so many things that a family could do on a Sunday now. So you've, you've really got to work hard because they can, they can do 20 different things on a Sunday and not get covered in mud, as you said. So Yeah, exactly. I think that's the biggest thing, isn't it? Yeah. Motocross is, is a good spectator sport, no doubt about that. But more people need to see it and to be encouraged to come and enjoy it. And, and, and I'm pretty sure that if they come and have a good experience, they'll come again. That's the thing. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think, you know, like... I don't know, for example, Fox Hills on a summer's day, look how popular that place can be and, and has been over the years. 
you know, it's a nice venue for spectators mm-hmm. to come and watch. Um, they can see the full circuit and, and it, you know, it makes the atmosphere of the racing better, but you know, you wouldn't get those people turn up if it was lamping down with rain at Fox Hills on a Sunday, you know, that's, but that's the difficult thing for, for organizers, I suppose. Unfortunately, that is yeah. motocross. It's, it's, it's guys and girls racing around a, uh, a big, basically. And that's, that's the nature of the sport. So that's the attraction and it's also the uh, the downside as well in one. It's it's the good bit and the bad bit. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's lighten the yeah. mood a bit now. That's, that's getting a bit cheap. <laughs> Putting the words to rights, aren't we? Yeah. Um, so moving forward, um, you're going to be with Cub Screens next year on the YAM. Um, anything else happening that you can tell us about? Are you going to be throwing in any more GPs? Are you going to be doing Western? Are you going to be doing any of that mad stuff? I mean, everything's you know? still early at the moment, you know, like... Obviously, mm-hmm. as you know, the, the 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 deal with Yamaha only came out yesterday evening. So, so obviously, we're still in early stages of of you know the ride and and, and what next year brings for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, obviously, you mentioned Western. Um, Western's always on my bucket list. Um, it, it's something that we enjoy as a family. Um, obviously, earlier on, mm-hmm. you mentioned about my brother. My brother's a massive fan of the beach racing scene. He probably prefers that to to motocross so we always do those sort of things and obviously he's a little bit guided this year as we all are that, that obviously Western wasn't able to go ahead and and all the other beach races as well you know but mm. I mean yeah for me next year going on to my plans I think obviously like I said my, my main priority with with the team and and now being on Yamaha is to to do well in the British Championship and keep improving from this year's performances um, you know the last two years have been a really struggle for me and you know, this time two years ago, I didn't even know whether I was still going to race a bike or even be able to race a bike with this, with the state of my shoulder. Um, so, so now mm-hmm. it's, yeah, I feel like I'm in a good place. I'm going to keep working hard and, and hopefully, you know, put some decent results on the table in, in, in the UK. And then hopefully that might help me able to go to do a couple more Europeans next year too. Oh, good stuff. That sounds like a good plan for 2021. What do you reckon, Roger? Uh, I, I think we've, we we need something to look forward to, don't we? All of us. And 21, by the sound of it, is going to be a good one. Um, I'm sure we all want it to work. We all want it to be good. And as I say, you know, Gareth's the man to make make that happen. Um, you know, you're 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 excited. You you're probably better off than a lot of the guys in the paddock at the moment because you've got a deal for next year. Um, there's probably quite a few guys at the moment thinking, will I be riding, will I not? A lot of teams thinking, mm-hmm. will I be riding, will I not? Because of finance. So really, Dan, you're in a good position to have a good winter, really. Yeah, for sure. And obviously that's that's that, you know, that's a, a big topic for everybody at the moment, isn't it? Like when you look at the GP uh, paddock, you know, there's a lot of really good guys that are without rides still at the moment. So yeah, like I said, you know, I've got, I've got some, I've got some nice, some nice people supporting me around me, like with, with Lee over the last few years. Um, like I said, my, my personal sponsor, Nationwide Science, with all those guys backing me, like I, I'm in a really good position to give it another crack next year. And, and, and like I said, keep improving. So what's your plans now? A couple of weeks off? Yeah. So obviously Italy was like our last, our last race. And that was obviously quite a big thing for us everybody as a team as as a family and whatever to organize and plan so i'm back now i'm having a i'm having a, I'm having a week off this week doing nothing and then i start back at work next week i think and a little bit of pocket money for the winter and back being uh, a sparky back being a sparky yeah and um and then yeah so 
I'll, I'll, I'll probably give myself a couple of weeks off from training and then I'll start, start my training program then ready for, ready to be firing on all cylinders when, when the season starts in, by the sounds of it, March or early April. Okay. Um, so, Defo, I think that will probably round up then uh, episode 20 of the Live Motocross podcast. Dan, thank you for joining us. I know it was a bit of a mad one with tech this morning, trying to get everyone onto one recording platform, but hey, we managed it. Um, Roger, thank you again as well for joining us this week. You're welcome. We really enjoyed it. Just quickly, Dan, I reckon there's probably a job for you down at Sophie's office. Look, because it looks half finished. We need to get you down here. Yeah, some work for you there. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I'll send you. I'll send you a business card. <laughs> <laughs>